Okay, uh, today is November the 2nd, 2010. And the Lord has answered our prayers and we got some rain today. Why did we ever need it? So we thank the Lord for that and we're going to thank Him for some other things. So let's prepare ourselves in our usual fashion. A few moments of silent prayer rebound if necessary. Let us pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for Your faithfulness. It's a horrible thought to even think of what it would be like if You were not in charge and in control of all things. And if You were not immutable, that You could change and we could not trust You. What a horrible thought. But indeed, You are the God of the universe. You have perfect essence. And You have... Reveal to us the great and mighty things so that we can have hope and confidence. So we pray that you will help us to focus and concentrate this evening. For we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. We're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We are to hold on to that which is good and abstain or stay away from that which is evil, which launched us into the doctrine of evil. And we have already gone over uh, <clears throat> most of the categories of evil. But the first category of evil and the worst of the lot, if you'll remember, is religion. And I've heard a really lively discussion today on a YouTube. It, it, didn't, it wasn't made today, but I found it today. And it has to do with religion. And there are some things that we can glean from this and learn. It's Bill Maher, which is appears to be an atheist, a rabid atheist, and an evangelical radio host. I don't know what his name is. But unfortunately, as nearly every time that I hear someone that is attacking Christianity... Whoever it is that is defending Christianity really doesn't know much. They don't do a very good job of refuting and rebutting the assaults that are made. Before I, I've got it on this tape right here so we can hear it. I've got the microphone. I think you will be able to hear it okay. Um, let me, for, for you to understand what's going to be said, and especially about Bill Maher, um, he's going to be attacking religion in this it's about i don't know five minutes worth of audio he's attacking religion and we would be on his side in assailing religion because it's the worst thing that ever happened to planet earth however you have to understand that he has lumped christianity in with all the other religions so if he if 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 so you won't get mixed up Sometimes you're going to be saying, yell, I'm on your side. And then the next thing you know, he is mocking and attacking Christianity because he thinks Christianity is just another religion. So let's see if this is going to work. Is it on? Okay. Let me see where the... I've got to put my glasses on to find the pause button. 
they write, you know, you got to get a microscope to see them. Okay, here it is. All right. Embarrassed that it has been taken over by people like evangelicals, by people who do not believe in science and rationality. It is the 21st century, and I'll tell you, my friend, the future does not belong to the evangelicals. The future does not belong to religion. And uh, I would actually argue just the opposite. If you look at historical trends, you look what's happened since the 1960s to right now. Actually, America has become more evangelical. I just found the pause. <laughs> I was going to pause it way back there. It's a slide thing. and There's buttons all over it. It's kind of a hidden slide. Anyway, did you hear what he said? He said the future is not uh, for evangelicals as if the evangelicals do not have a future. Now, this is Bill Maher who is speaking, and he is attacking religion. And again, he lumps Christianity in with the other religions. Gosh, yeah, but you look at the Grammy Awards, and this guy gets out, and he's... Now, this guy, this is the radio host, and he's trying to defend the idea that since 1960... The evangelicals have grown and it's more powerful and has more ascendancy than it did in 1960. And he's paddling upstream because that's not the case. We've, they've lost ground, but he's trying to rebut what Bill Maher has said by saying, Oh, no, uh, Bill Maher is saying Christianity is on its way out. It has no future. And he's saying, No, the evangelicals are getting stronger ever since 1960. And he's posing a couple of... Very lame excuses, so here. He sings rap, he raps, and Jesus walks, the whole place goes crazy. A guy picks up three yards in a football game, he kneels, he got... Well, that's, 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 a, that's another... evangelicals are on the ascendancy. That's another reason why religion disgusts me, because it is arrogance parading as humility. There is nothing humble about somebody getting up there and saying, thank you, God, for this award. What they're really saying is, thank you, God, for making me so wonderful and so talented. Now, that, you know, we can't read a person's mind. And there have been people, maybe some of you have heard of the guy that plays for Florida, the quarterback. Somebody help me out. What's his name? Um, uh, what's his name? No, uh, Florida State. He won the Heisman or was in the, the Tebow. Yeah, what's his first name? Something. Uh, Joe Tebow. <laughs> Anyway, Tebow, and he's a, he's a, a very uh, active Christian. He's always uh, giving credit to the Lord. And from my perspective, it doesn't look like that's showboating. It sounds like he's genuinely not trying to take the credit but thanking for the Lord of how the Lord has blessed him so much. But there may be people who have gotten up and have a reward, and they say it in the sense that, oh, God has blessed me so much. Look how wonderful I am. Uh, but we're not to judge that. But... Bill Maher has made that uh, assumption or that judgment. But, uh, that aside, um, it, when, when you were a kid and they were telling you whatever you believe in religion, do you think if they had switched the fairy tales that they read to you in bed with the Bible, you would know the difference? Do you think if there was a fairy tale about a man who lived inside of a whale and it was religion that Jack built the beanstalk today, you would know the difference? Why do you believe in one fairy tale and not the other? Just because adults told you it was true and they scared you into believing it at pain of death, at pain of burning into hell. But uh, if you ever were able to... Okay, you heard what he said, right? Are y'all hearing that okay? 
What would be your response to that if you were there and he's asking you, why do you believe what you believe? Because Bill Maher is saying it's no different than a fairy tale. Jack and the Beanstalk and Jonah and the Whale are both fairy tales. Why do you believe one and not the other? What kind of response would you have if you were on the air and he asked you that question and you didn't have much time to think? I want to know what your answer would be. Anybody have an idea? David? Oh, okay, that's, that's one valid thing. Uh, yeah, their actual account, but you believe that it's an actual account. I believe it's an actual account, but the question is, why? Because he really hit on a very interesting subject matter or issue because most Christians, most not just Christians, but people across the board that believe in what they would call religion, their faith, most people believe that because that's the way they were reared. Their parents told them, this is what we believe. And they say, okay, I'm a Jones, I'm a Williams, I'm whatever it is, and if that's what we believe, I'll sign on, I'll, I'll attest to that. But it's, it's an a inch, inch deep and a mile wide. In other words... They could not articulate why they believe what they believe. And this is what he's asking him. So I'll just tell you a couple of things that if I was there, how I would respond why I believe that Jonah really was in the belly of a whale. And it is not a fairy tale. There's a difference between fairy tales and um, the Christian faith. And the first thing I would tell him that he should be able to understand is that there is general revelation from God. And that general revelation is creation itself. Everyone can see creation. Even Bill Maher knows that man did not create the stars and the sun and the mountains and the oceans. That is general revelation that anyone can understand. That's why we say, well, and, and by the way, where would you go in the Bible to find this? Where would you go to where the uh, Bible is addressing this very issue? Right, Romans 1. It says that, that the unbelievers, the, the entire world, all people can understand the things of God by what is made. It says they are without excuse. Because anyone that has an IQ that is above an imbecile or a moron, someone that cannot function, knows that this did not come about by man's creation. So that would be my first response to him, is that by general revelation, by creation itself, I believe what, what uh, the Bible says with regards to uh, the accounts because it is within all of us to understand that and, and to know that we have to make a choice. Did, is, did, did a supreme being do this? Did man do it? Or are we just going to write it off? Most people write it off. The second thing I would say to him is that there's also what is known as specific revelation. Specific revelation, of course, is found in the Word of God, in the Bible itself. And so we have general revelation that leads us to the Bible. And the Bible is God's revelation to man. And you could even quote a verse. You see, when, you're, when you use the Scriptures, especially when, I don't know how many people were listening to this, maybe millions of people, 
where would you have gone in the Bible to to respond to the, to the specific type of revelation? Boy, we need help in bibliology, don't we? How about 2 Timothy 3.16? All Scripture is God-breathed and is profitable for doctrine, for correction, for uh, instructions in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. All Scripture is God-breathed, is inspired by God. Where's another one you might go to? <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, well, John 1 is good. That, that's uh, explaining about Jesus Christ being the Creator. About he- uh, Hebrews chapter 4, the Word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. How about that one? So you use Scripture to handle these issues. And if nothing else, He will foo-foo anything that you say. But at least the Word of God is going out and it's showing people that you, they are without excuse. I, I'll tell you something. that I, I, didn't told Karen, I didn't tell anybody this. But when I was deciding where I was going to go next after I was through with Romans 13, I was tossed between going into in-depth bibliology or whether to go to Joshua. And it was kind of a toss-up for a while. I hope that I made the right decision. But I'm going to continue to challenge y'all. I know that you know these things, but you don't know where to go to find them. And sometimes you're going to be hard-pressed. And if you, don't, if you can't quote them and you can't find them, it's just your word against someone else's word. We have to be more diligent and more disciplined to know where these things are. That's why I ask you these things, so it will challenge you so that you can stay abreast of these things. Yes? Science is not going to prove that Jonah was in the whale. Because science has to reduplicate something and, and, and analyze it to be able to prove it. But that does not mean that there's no proof. I mean, we believe the Bible and we believe what we believe because of the evidence. Now, you probably won't have time to go into the authenticity of the Bible and explain. You could go into talk about, well, instead of me telling you all, where would you go to authenticate the Bible to prove that anybody with a rational has rational and has any kind of an open, open mind would realize that the Bible is not a regular book. It has to be supernatural. Where would you go? Any ideas? How about Daniel chapter two? The image of of the remember the great image, a head of uh, gold and, and silver and so forth, and you could explain that that came out exactly as history has played itself out. And there are specific names and characters in the Bible. Cyrus is named 200 years before he was born and said exactly what he was going to do. There's hundreds of specific prophecies with regards to Jesus Christ and Him fulfilling every one of them. Hundreds of prophecies. Challenge them. 
show me another book that has specific prophecies that are 100% correct. There are people who doubt that Daniel was actually written uh, by Daniel because they said it's too accurate. It had to be written after the fact. That's how accurate it is. I'm not, I don't mean to sound like I'm fussing. I'm just saying that we need to do better at being able to defend these things. I know you are strongly convicted about it, and that's good. But the Lord needs prepared believers. So if you were put in a position like this guy was, that you come up with something better than he does, when you're going to hear what he's about to say, you're going to shake your head and say, oh, man. Well, here it is. I think the other guy talks now. This is the uh, biblical, I mean, the uh, Christian uh, radio commentator. Jesus. Now, I don't believe in Jesus because I think I'm going to live with angels and hearts. If you really think about it for a long time, actually, the concept of eternal life is more frightening than the concept of eternal death. Did you hear that? I know. I'm sitting there thinking, what? He said the concept of eternal life is more frightening than the concept of eternal death, uh, hell. Well, this is, I'm just saying, I'm just playing you what I heard. And this is a guy that has, uh, is sparring against someone that is a professional atheist. And he's not doing a very good job. I can't even comprehend eternal life. But I believe what I believe uh, because of 41 years here on this earth. And again, I mean, I respect you. Not you, but, but, but I don't think that's a neurological. Uh, first of all, I never said I didn't. Whoa, whoa! I never said I didn't believe in God. You hear that? See, uh, he never said that he did, but he didn't say that he didn't. But what we must hasten to say to anyone that believing in God does not save anyone, and there are masses and multitudes of people who think the issue is: Do you believe in a God or not? And we have to be on the spot ready to tell them, you can believe in a higher power, you can believe in a, a super uh, intelligent being uh, or uh, God as you perceive him or anything else, and that does not say it is faith alone in Jesus Christ. That's why it's socially acceptable many times to say, oh, you talk about God and one nation under God, and all this is pretty well accepted in God we trust on our money. People don't have a trouble with that. But when you mention Jesus Christ, the claws come out. And one reason they come out is because when you mention Jesus Christ, they figure that you're probably a Christian and they think you're very narrow-minded and arrogant to think that you have the only way. They believe that there's a lot of ways, and anybody that believes that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes unto the Father except by me, that's Christ speaking, that they just vibrate. They hate that. And so it's not the issue of just believing in God, which Bill Maher evidently may attest to a supreme being of some kind. That does not save. I wish that guy would have said, well, well right. I don't believe in religion. Religion is a bureaucracy between man and God. Do you hear that? Now, I would applaud Bill Maher for making... That's one of the best definitions of religion I've heard. 
Religion is a bureaucracy between man and God. And the Bible says what? We have one mediator between God and man, and that is the man, Christ Jesus. And that's why religion is so satanic and evil is because it's trying to replace Jesus Christ and it be the mediator. So I would have, if I would have been that guy, I would have, I would have gave him kudos for that. I would have said, you know what? That is a great definition of religion. I'll sign on to that. The only thing is Bill Maher is calling Christians in that, lumping Christians in that same bunch. I can agree with you. I agree with you about that. But, I'm but Joe, if, about... if you were born in Pakistan, you wouldn't have been. You wouldn't be believing in Jesus Christ right now. You'd be believing in Muhammad. So it's completely and terribly arbitrary, isn't it? You know, I, I, I wasn't born in Pakistan. See now, you see how lame the the response is. I mean, that would have been a wonderful time. Well, instead of me telling you, what would you respond? Because what Bill Maher was asserting is that you are a creature of your environment. If, you believe, if you're born in the United States, which has more Christian churches than any other place, then you're going to be a Christian. And you're going to take the Christian faith. If you were born in Saudi Arabia, then you would be a Muslim and you would take the Muslim faith. If you were born in Taiwan, you might be a Buddhist because there's so many Buddhists. Now, that's the assertion. What would you say? What would be a great argument, a great thing to help him understand what the real issue is? Can you come up with anything? Okay. <laughs> well, he makes light. Uh, this... I, I didn't want to make, take this much time on this, but I think it's, it's uh, edifying to do it. Um, on another uh, tape, it was so blasphemous, I didn't even want to play it. And he's, he, he's mocking, literally mocking and blaspheming uh, the things that, that Christians believe in. And one of them is that there was a virgin birth or that, there was, that, that someone died and rose from the dead and all that. So... Um, Saying that, saying what you need to understand, telling these people what you believe means nothing to them. But now, if you, if on this particular subject, if you said, okay, uh, I believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead because of the evidence. Any evidence? There's no evidence. Oh yes, there's a lot of evidence. Even his accusers did not deny that the tomb was empty, and there are specifics given in the Bible that means that there is no human way that Jesus Christ could have extricated himself from that tomb by himself. And the angel rolled the, when the angel rolled the stone away, it was already empty. Christ didn't sneak out when the, when the angel rolled the stone away. And it was in stone. Nobody could dig under there and get to him or anything. Bill Maher, what do you say about that? You tell me how that tomb became empty. Because I've given you the specifics, and it's not just in the Bible. There's extra-biblical references that name Jesus Christ at that time and talk about those who believed that someone had rose from the dead. This is historical facts. Now, you tell me how that tomb became empty. I'm just saying what we have to be better at is turning it on them and saying, this is what I believe, this is why I believe it, now you show me where it's wrong. And they can't do it. 
They can't go to Daniel chapter 2, anybody that knows history, and look, look at the panorama of history, and it was to the letter perfect. Yes. Yeah. What, what, what about the um, the K? What's um, they, they just? I, I'm, I'm just going blank on what it is. The Dead Sea Scrolls. What about that? I mean, yeah. There's over five thousand manuscripts, right? That that and, and there's no other historical document. The Iliad, Odyssey, all these things. If you have four or five fragments, you're doing good. And the Bible has over 5,000. But you might not have time to, to, to argue that point. But what I'm, all I'm trying to say is, for your benefit, for my... And I, I have to get better also. We all need to get better at not just professing what we believe, but for people like him, you have to be able to say why you believe it because we don't, we don't have a blind faith. Our faith is based on solid evidence. Evidence so solid that you would have to have an agenda and an axe to grind not to believe it. Because any rational person would. Did, did you have something quick? Mm-hmm. You know, as you, as you start, you know, you mention these things, and more things come to our minds. If, I mean, once you get in a discussion with this, if he wanted to go there, you could say that there were 5,000 people who saw the resurrected Christ at one time, and it's recorded in history. The, 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 all of the disciples who were cowardly wimps that fled and hid until they saw the resurrected Christ, and then every one of them to the man was ready to die for the testimony. Now, there's not a, a cowards do not die for a lie. Right, you had I. There's not even in in court cases today. What is the strongest evidence that can be presented? Eyewitnesses, and if you have two eyewitnesses, it's enough to convict someone to death. And we're talking about five thousand. But I, I didn't. I don't want to digress. I'm just saying that uh, is this helpful? I mean, uh, to see because you have to see the venom that these people have. They hate Jesus Christ. They hate grace and they love to just embarrass christians as if they the whole subject that they're talking about is the decline of christianity as if it's going to go out as if it was just another fad no well that's the thing uh, but you know what garth even in um, i can remember when on the oprah show years ago 
she had Marina Navaterola, who is a lesbian on. And it wasn't that she was she wasn't trying to hide her lesbianism. She was flaunting it. And they were, she was getting applause from the audience because of her. We have to be diverse. You know, we celebrate our diversity. One guy stood up that was a Christian and said, well, I just think it's wrong. And you could hear a, a gasp throughout the entire audience as if he had blasphemed. And then they, Marina Navatarelli said, are you a Christian? And he said, yes. He, she said, well, you're supposed to love and you're not supposed to judge, are you? And he was embarrassed and put his tail between his legs and sat down. And that's what, that's probably the norm. And he, there's so many, I don't want to go into all the things he could have said. I've, I've told you these things before. That we're not to judge people, but we are required to judge what? What is righteous and what is evil and what is unjust and so forth. And we judge not the homosexuals, but their homosexuality. I mean, there's so many things that he could have said, it, but anyway, I, I'm sorry I'm taking up so much time. There's just a little bit left, but I, I think this is discussion is good. It's not that many times that you get someone that is so uh, rabidly anti-Christian. Well, so I don't know if that's the case or not. But, but if you had been, you wouldn't believe, be living in Jesus Christ. You would have been well, told another fairy tale when you were a child, and you believe that. Well, Bill, that's your opinion. Stick around. We'll be right back with much more. I disagree. You're watching Scarborough Country, where Jesus freaks like me hang out. Well, now this is, I didn't pick something that was an aberration, something that was um, out, off the norm. You can go yourself on the, on the uh, Internet. All I did was I Googled Bill Maher, found out where some of the YouTubes were, and started listening to them. And every one of them nearly are the same thing. He had, uh, I've got the next one, it's just I'm, I've taken half the time already on this. I didn't mean to do that. But the next one I have on here is with Richard uh, Hitchens. And he is the darling of the atheist. His, Chris, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, Christopher Hitchens. Yeah, he's got the, his newest book out is called God is not great. That's the name of his book. And he takes people to task, and he is, he's articulate, he's well-read, but he doesn't have truth. And anybody could, could trip him up. And they make a lot of statements. He, uh, one thing that he and Bill Maher both say, are, uh, the, the, the next thing I had, which I'm not going to take too much time, but it, the, the discussion is, is, is America no longer a Christian nation, and ha was it ever? And so you have people like this uh, Christopher Hitchens, and he's saying that the founding fathers were deists. They weren't Christians. And that's just a false statement. But do you all all remember what, what deism is? If you were a deist, what would you believe? So you have to be up on this, or you're not even on the, you're not even on the playing field. A deist is a person who believes, yes, God created the, created the universe, but then he just checked out. He's not involved in the affairs of men. And, and you can, that is so easy on a number of ways to show that that is not true. Who, what about Noah and the ark? What did God do there? Does he not come in from time to time to do world-shaking things like the 
like the flood or the Tower of Babel. Uh, you could go on and on with, uh, with uh, issues where he has not checked out. He's very much involved. In fact, on, a, in a, on an individual level, he's so involved he knows your every thought. Oh, yes. I mean, the, the Exodus, you could, once you, all you have to do is just think. And, and what I would do is not say these are the things I would happen, that, that I would allege happened. This is historical. You know, when you, they're digging in Israel. They've been digging all around the Mideast all these years. And they, wouldn't, they would love to find something that would disprove the Bible, and they haven't done it yet. For, for a long time, for decades, they said there is, there's no such people as the Hittites until they dug down. Oh, well, here's all the relics of the Hittites. They said there's no such person as David. We never, there's no information about that. Oh, well, now we have information about David. Every city, every location described of the geography of the land is to the T. And that's one of the things that breaks the back of Mormonism because it's not true. They talk about these big battles where there was tens of thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people in cities and locations that don't exist. Uh, t- particular trees and plants that weren't even here. They, they said they were riding horses when horses hadn't even come to the continent yet. We need to have a confidence built on the evidence. Well, I sound like I'm preaching, don't I? We'll put Bill Maher aside over here. You'll find out soon enough. Okay, uh, we're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we are studying evil. And you'll see on the board the different categories of evil. By the way, I, I don't, I'm not trying to put any one person, not, not any of y'all on the spot. I'm just challenging you for yourself <clears throat> to be up on these things. And you, as, if you came to Bible class and church every time the doors were open, I can assure you, you would not be prepared. You have to read your Bible on your own and let it be absorbed into your own soul where you can, you can delineate it in your own words. And I'm talking about everyday study so it's fresh on your mind. And you will be able to handle them. Because you have the truth. You have the Holy Spirit. He's going to draw out of you the truth that you need, but he can't draw it out of like this guy that was, was contending with Bill Maher because it wasn't there. He's, for someone to say, well, eternal life frightens me more than eternal death and the lake of fire, I, I just don't get that. Okay, categories of evil. First of all, we have religion. We've already gone over that. The second thing we had was internationalism, which we are moving at breakneck speed into internationalism. It, you know what? Let me tell you what's going to happen with internationalism. It's already on its way. But the same thing that happened in, with regards to homosexuality. When I was in high school, which was about 40 years ago, I guess, something like that, I don't know. Anyhow, every, I, you could not find one person that would even contemplate that being legitimate. It was so horrid that it was unspoken. Or if someone was involved in that, 
you would whisper it to someone. You wouldn't even speak about it out loud. And for to go from there to where it's celebrated today, that you have political leaders clamoring to get in their gay pride parades to where we're very close to having legislation to where you have preferential treatment. We are very close to have it becoming a hate crime to speak out and say that homosexuality is a sin. And that's going to come against pastors more than anybody else. But it is designed to do that. And they're just waiting till the people have been acclimatized. They've got to the point to where they are accepting it and then they'll move. And they're probably not far from that. And when the pastors go to prison because of their stand for teaching the Word of God, there's so many people that were, were or are Christians that are so deluded will say that's where they need to go because these are hate crimes. That's where we find ourselves today. And the same thing's going to happen with internationalism. Most people today celebrate internationalism. On this little, little laptop I have right here, I have access to the whole world through this little thing. If we had a phone line here and I got into it, I could go anywhere in the world and access things that are going on. Even in uh, normal software, they have Google Earth. I can say, I want to see what the Eiffel Tower looks like. Take me to the Eiffel Tower. I want to see it. And you can do it. With this type of technology and everybody saying that we live in a global world or a global village and that if you're going to survive and be able to compete, you have to go global. The drumbeat is incessant. And it's not going to be that long to where anybody that would say, well, no, I think we ought to stay a nation then you're going to be looked on as a kook, as some type of maybe even a terrorist for your stand. These kind of this is what's going to be happening. And so this is I've already gone over the evils of internationalism. Why did I ever excoriate the politicians? Typical typical poli politics and politicians richly deserve the scorn that they receive because. The typical politician and, pol and t politics in general are evil. The main reason they're evil is because they substitute themselves or the works of man and leave God completely out of the picture. And that's what the main thrust of evil is. So we go to our next, our next area here, which is psychology. The main problem with psychology is that it rejects the fact that God has given us everything we need pertaining to life and godliness simply through growing in grace and knowledge of His Word. There are large churches, small churches, there's people in general that think that God and His Word and His solutions that are give, given forth in, in the Bible simply are not sufficient. Today we have to go to a psychologist in order to handle our problems. And I'm saying, baloney. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and, our, and of Jesus our Lord. Listen to this. Seeing that His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness, 
turn to Second Peter 1, 3. And if you don't have that underlined, this is the time to do it. That is a huge statement. That's saying that God and His Word and everything that He has done for believers in the unseen world, the invisible world, the spiritual world, is sufficient. How is it sufficient? Because He has the power to make it sufficient. And He has granted everything pertaining to life and godliness. Life would be logistical grace. The bullets and the beans, the good health, the air we breathe, everything. And then you have godliness, which is the spiritual realm. You lack nothing in either realm because God has provided it. That's what this verse is saying. And it is through the true knowledge of Him who calls us by His own glory and excellence. You see the word knowledge there? See, God has provided it for every believer. But if you don't know that He has, you don't believe the promises, if you don't know the spiritual dynamics of the church age, what good is it? Nothing. 1 Timothy 4, 7b through 8. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness, for body discipline is only for little profit. You need to take this verse and put it on your workout. You go to the gym. If they'll let you, stick that on the door. That ought to generate some conversation, huh? Bodily discipline is only of little profit. And I'm not trying to put down exercise, so don't start casting stones. This is comparatively speaking. Since it holds promise for the present, in other words, in the temporary, in the now, the present life, Oh, excuse me. It is. It has little profit, but godliness is profitable for what? All things, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Don't don't ever let anybody con you into thinking that you need to you or anybody in your family needs to see a psychologist. I've, I've got books in the library. This is a Johnny-come-lately pseudoscience is what it is. God's grace and His Word is sufficient to handle the problems of life. We don't have to run to some overeducated, overpriced psychologist to get help because God and His Word is all we need. Man's problem cannot be solved through psychology or any other human endeavor that excludes the spiritual dynamics unique to the church age. Throughout the ages, people have found the answer to their problems in the Bible. That is so. Do you remember your grandmother? you remember your grandfather? As far back as you can go, when there were no psychologists then, and you don't have to go that far back to where there were no psychologists, people would always go to the Bible because they knew that was where the solutions are. And that's what they've been doing from the beginning of time. They go to the Scriptures. So throughout the ages, people have found the answer to their problems in the Bible. And that hasn't changed. God's promises and solutions are still very real 
and truly sufficient. That has not changed. And I think it's a disgrace that you go to some of these mega churches and they have all the different, uh, they have the young people and the old people and the middle people and everywhere, all these different groups. And when they have problems, they will rec- they have psychologists on staff in the churches because they have all the degrees and therefore, well, we're going to have to turn you over to the people that really are able to help you because uh, they have a Ph.D. before their name. And that stinketh. This is not an attack on psychologists, even though it may sound that way. Many of them may be good people. They just need to find a new career. You know, <laughs> I, I was wondering if, if this church had 2,000 people in it. You probably would have at least one psychologist in 2,000 people. Do you think I would still teach this message? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay, uh, the last, this is the last uh, category. Now, there may be more categories. I'm just giving you some general categories here to chew on. It's revolution. Revolution is an evil that seeks to overthrow legitimate authority. It is a power grab based on power lust. Resistance to tyranny is legitimate, but revolution only replaces tyranny with anarchy. And I, people don't think, and they continue to call the first war of independence that our country fought as the Revolutionary War. And it was not. I've told you over and over. It was not a revolution. The founding fathers and the colonists were not trying to overthrow anyone. They did not attack England. England attacked them. All they wanted to do is be left alone. And you have a right to be left alone. God does not require, require Christians to be bullied. If someone comes along and kicks sand in your face and says, what are you going to do about it? Well, you have every right to show them. There's, there is one common denominator in all these types of evil that the Bible calls the root of all kinds of evil and you know what that is? The love of money. Now, it's not money itself. You've heard this before. Nothing's wrong with money. It's the lust and the love of money that gets people in trouble. You know, there, there's always these uh, schisms and these initiatives Usually they're political to, to get more votes to pit one group against another group. And to think that just because people have money that they are evil or that they're bad or that they have some kind of ill-gotten gain is rubbish. It's not the money itself. And there are some tremendous Christians who are more loving and thoughtful and caring and gracious than poor folks. And they continue to take in the Word of God. And it is wrong to try to judge someone just because they have what you might consider a lot of money or maybe even wealthy. It's not the money that's evil. It's the love of money that's evil. 
Can you be poor and have love for money? Absolutely. First Timothy 6, 8 through 10. If we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. Remember I was talking about Jesse Duplantis the other day? And he's saying now he's, he's already got a jet, but the Lord wants him to have a 737. I'd like to read that jet verse to Jesse and ask him, can you explain that to me? Because he alleged that he was insulting God because he was content with his jet airplane. But God supposedly talked to him and said, that's a stagnant faith. I'm a bigger God than that. You ought to want something more than that. He says, okay, now I'm on my, on my list as a 737. That does not jive with this, does it? So if we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and snare and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. Every one of the evils, every one of those categories, if you go to the root of it, you know what you're going to find? The love of money. And religion is, is the worst. These, these televangelists are multi, multi millionaires. And then, you know, you've heard me talk about the Catholic Church before. I don't mean to be disrespectful, but I've heard people say that the Catholic Church has more money than God. And that I know that that's uh, hyperbole, but we're all older folks here. And if you don't know by now that money can't make you happy, you better learn it pretty quick. For the love of money is root of all sorts of evil, and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Deuteronomy 16:19. You shall not distort justice, you shall not be partial, and you shall not take a bribe, for a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and perverts the words of the righteous. I think that we have in our country numerous professional bribe takers. Let's see how many I only have. Okay, I have two more and we're done. Two more scriptures. Isaiah 56, 11 through 12. And the dogs are greedy. They are not satisfied, and they are shepherds who have no understanding. That alone, oh boy, sounds like he's talking to us, doesn't it? Dogs are greedy, and they're not satisfied. I don't want to pick on politicians, and I know this is probably not the right night to do it. <laughs> but to me, there's never a wrong night for that. Um, most of them are super wealthy but they're never satisfied. Power and money are joined at the hip. And people who have so much money, they don't know what to do with it. They'll never spend it all. The issue becomes power. And the shepherds who have no understanding. Who are the shepherds? How many pastors do you see on TV? How many ones that are of 
note that have no understanding. They don't even know how to be spiritual. They have all turned to their own way, each one to his own unjust gain, to the last one. Come, they say, let us get wine and let us drink heavily of strong drink. And tomorrow will be just like today, only more so. They are addicts. They are hollow inside. They can't get enough because they don't have Jesus Christ. Ezekiel 22:12 In you they have taken bribes to shed blood you have taken interest in profits and you have injured your neighbors for gain by oppression and you have forgotten me declares the Lord God now in context the anthagogics of this verse would mean that taking interest was against the mosaic law you could not loan someone money that was a brother, that was a, another Israelite, and charge interest that was against the Mosaic law. And yet here it says, you have taken interest in profits. They have aggrandized themselves at the, at the cost of the poor. The lust for money. Have you ever heard it say, when they say it's not about the money, you know what you can say? It's about the money. Well, we've got a pretty good start on the doctrine of evil. We'll continue this next time. And I exhort all of you, read your Bibles just for yourself. Because God uses prepared believers and He wants believers that are able to tell people what they believe and why. And be able to show him in his mighty word, this is why. Let's close. Father, we thank you that you are in control of all things. We have so much to learn in so little time. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who is our mentor. Who teaches us all the spiritual things that we need. And yet we have so much clutter and so many distractions in our life. Help us to keep our priorities straight so that you can use us to reach even the most hardened Bill Maher types because Christ died for him also. We pray this in his name. Amen.